Welcome to episode 165 of Love Behind Game Club. This week, we talk about our experience at PAX East 2023. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Travis Colnut. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. You're back from PAX. I am. Let's talk about it. Uh, my second friend today, uh, you know her and love her as well. It's Flora Marigold. Hello, I'm excited to talk about my first ever like video gaming conference. Yeah, and here as a newbie as well, with her first video game conference as well, it's Katie Lesperance. I'm ready to talk packs, baby. <laughs> yeah. So look, this isn't a normal uh, edition of our podcast. We are normally a book club podcast, but uh, all four of us went to PAX East and did some fun stuff. So we figured we would talk about our experience, talk about a whole bunch of games that we played, some of which are actually out right now, uh, and then just, you know, have some fun. So if you're into that, great. If not, listen to one of our other episodes. There's 160 of them. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so I need to start with uh, Flora and Katie. It was your first time going to a PAX. I think for me, this is probably my eighth or ninth PAX, and Travis, this is your fifth Fifth, PAX? I fourth? think, at this point, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but for y'all, newbies, what were your thoughts going in? What did you think going in, and like, did it deliver on expectations? So, yeah, my first PAX ever. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I like Obviously, I have an idea of what the thing is, but also, not only first PAX, but... Uh, PAX as a media member, which Ooh. was fancy. Um, so that was also, I didn't know what to expect from that. Um, I had a lovely time, which is part the event itself and part the people that I spent it with, that I that I met, that I got to meet for the first time, including Flora, um, along with Luke and Claire and Joseph Hooper, and uh, you know, met some people, some fine folks, that were a lovely time. So yeah, overall, I had a great weekend, and played a lot of good games. Well, so we're gonna some, twist your arm into going to to West, right? Is I that mean, happening? I'm not gonna lie, I'm not opposed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'd probably be in. <laughs> Uh, Flora, thoughts? Very similar impressions to Katie. Um, I think I expected to feel a little more exhausted and nervous and overwhelmed than I ended up ultimately feeling on a moment-to-moment basis, which was really nice. Um, There was a bit of day one chaos just getting to the event, figuring out, like, how to get in, where to get a badge, like, stuff that would otherwise be obvious if I had done an event like this before. Um, And then just kind of the chaos of figuring out where Travis and Katie were on the floor since we met up first. And um, as soon as, like, we met up, everything was, like, great. And um, I always have, like, these sort of thoughts about, like, oh, no, I didn't book enough uh, gaming events. Or, like, ooh, what if things get awkward in conversation? Like, like all of these sort of, like, uncertainties that, again, in the lived daily experience um they were never actually an issue and uh i felt super comfortable with the things like katie was just describing and uh i i don't know if i want to say uh since this is where the conversation just went i don't know if i want to say i want to go to pax west uh that's a little far um and like to do 
I, these happen, I guess, I haven't looked at the dates, but I'm going to, like, alternating on an annual basis. Um, that's a lot of gaming conferences. And, like, I imagine, yeah. like, if you're going to go east and then west, you're probably going to see a couple games that, like, you saw at the previous one over there. Like, oh, here's that game again. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the novelty of it was what made it so exciting. But, like, I would definitely do another one of these, for sure. Yeah, so I looked into it, and this is this is my ninth PAX. Um, but because of the pandemic... Um, I ended up the last packs before that was 19. Mm. So I did packs East 19 and then I've done three packs in a row now. So I did packs East 22 packs, West 22 packs, East 23. Um, and I would agree with you, Flora, that there's some overlap, like some publishers, the devolver booth this time around was games I'd played. Mm-hmm. It was Angerfoot, It was Terra Nil, and their third game was... Cult of the Lamb. There was a... Cult of the Lamb, the DLC, yeah. yeah. So nothing really new. So I would agree that a lot of publishers just bring the same thing. Or you see a game that's just like, hey, the Apogee booth has Turbo Overkill again, even though they were behind closed doors. So there is some overlap. So I would agree with you that like I'm 50-50 on West, um, but only because like now I use it to be like, hey, I'm going to see friends that I don't normally see that we hang out for a weekend and I get to talk and see a whole bunch of new games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say it would be a yes, provided I have my people with me. Because like I said, that was a big contributor to how much, how enjoyable the weekend was. Um, And then I'll echo um, something that, Flora, that you wrote in your article that you wrote about PAX. Oh, you read it. I did. That you would, that you thought that you would leave feeling exhausted and kind of run down. And Mm -hmm. I will say by the end, by the last day, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I, I did three days. I was like, I'm done. I can go home and I'm very happy. Um, but I didn't leave exhausted. Like I left tired, but I felt like, oh yeah, I love games. And like right? small developers making a game and trying to like figure it out and and kind of pitching their game and they're, they're excited about it and everyone's excited and you're around people who love games and it was just like, it was fun. And it yeah, it reminded me of like, how exciting it all is and, and what's happening. It was, it was a great time. Yeah, and, like, the people part of it, I don't think I emphasized enough in my initial impressions. Like, just getting to, like, meet all of you and, like, hug you and go out to dinner and, like, just make small talk about these games. Like, we all went and played, like, um, a demo together right on the first day where I arrived. And, like, just it was really rewarding to kind of, um, for lack of a better term, sort of, like, consummate the online aspects of our relationship, like, in person for the first time. Like, that was just really, really cool. Um, And I would also say, like, um, as a trans person, like, that was a really comfortable environment um, as far as, like, just accepting, affirming people and, like, there being just tons of rainbows on stuff everywhere. And, like, just... I really felt like at home and um and in a way that I wasn't expecting to. Like there's always that like uncertainty of being around strangers and if people are going to be weird, but luckily that never happened and um very grateful for that as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, the that I would say like the pa- Pax has done a good job of cultivating a very positive experience with the enforcers and the the guests that they have. It's just it it's a very inclusive space and I don't feel any time that I've gone to a Pax in the past, I've never felt cuz you can get that like toxic gamer activity, like you know what I mean, oh, kind totally. of behavior. I never feel it at a PAX. Like it never feels like it hit, like it doesn't hit there. Oh, <laughs> Flora has a story, I'm sure. But uh, 
<laughs> um, but like typically, I don't experience it um, as much, and uh, I do find like generally the, the space is is really really positive. People are just excited to be there, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I will echo what everyone said. This was like, yeah, it's my fifth PAX, but every PAX that I've gone to previously has only really been with Jacob. And I pretty much just follow him around. Cause, and Jacob's much more, much more social than I am. So Jacob's talking to people. And I just kind of like stand by and look around and do my thing. But this, Travis would always be like, how are you talking to this random person yeah. in the queue line for a panel while we're street passing? And I'm I don't like, understand. Jacob will Can find I get a way. my nose any farther into a book so I don't have to talk to anyone while I'm yeah. waiting or something? But um it's this was much different because it was much more social we're mm-hmm. going out for dinner we're hanging out and but these are also people that like i want to become friends with like yeah. in in more and like of course there's that like an online friendship but it is different in and and more fun to actually see each other in person which is great right mm-hmm. so um yeah that like the dinners that we had were just so much fun and going out for drinks and, and everything like that was just a, a really 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 great time and kind of like solidified more than just being a weird online only mm-hmm. kind of friendship right yeah uh, and and so that was a very different aspect than any previous packs that, that i've gone to before in the past and i wanted to socialize whereas before i'm like i don't know this person and i'm not gonna talk to this person and i don't i have enough friends and i don't need to but but like this is this was much more different right so and i appreciate it so thank you yeah just good vibes good vibes except for maybe one I, one small conversation one weird not yeah, the I end of the world but it was it was a very it was a little uncomfortable yeah it's um i i have to tell this story i don't brief know as it is because um my like day one especially tra- also the conversation that preceded it and then that conversation it was yeah. like it was like a whiplash i should yeah. tell both um yeah. <laughs> so so day one i get to pax and i'm a little lost and i find my badge and then right when i get my badge i turn around and there's katie there's travis and so uh, we all kind of congregate and head in the general direction of one of our first panels of the day. And it was about uh, why the GameCube was like the greatest console in history. And so um, I hear that was a banger. I hear what? it was a banger, too. I don't I don't really know because I wasn't paying attention during it. But uh, <laughs> um, just kidding. I we the way PAX panels work, I wasn't expecting this, but I thought it was an interesting and somewhat efficient system is they line up uh, potential audience members in like a separate room. Um, and there's just little queuing lines that you get sorted into by the um, the PAX enforcers. And um, I was wearing an Epilogue Gaming t-shirt. It has our logo from the website. Um, but there's a couple pride variations that we've made. And uh, I was wearing the trans pride flag variation on the logo. So it's like, you can just imagine a trans flag, but like the Epilogue Gaming logo. And so that's just plastered on my shirt. And... Um, you know, a little bit of a vein plug, a little bit of a sort of like, hey, just like approachable sort of like queer topic thing. And on my left hand side, as I'm talking to um, Katie and Travis, we're just waiting for this event to start. Um, and we're just like, you know, making small talk. Like, I don't even remember the context of what we spoke about. And I said something about the panel, which was, um, well, before that, actually, sorry, I just tripped over my, my order of <laughs> thoughts here. Um, first, there was the uh, the person who saw the trans pride flag on my shirt and then decided to tell me that they were going to transition when they graduated high school so this is a high school senior um and uh they told me a little bit about like the culture of their school and why they didn't yet feel comfortable doing so and um 
I realized in that moment that I wasn't prepared to have that conversation and I didn't really know what to say to this person other than just vaguely be supportive. Um, and in retrospect, that should have been a much more natural conversation than it was. But anyway, you know, I'm just like, oh, this random person in line kind of interrupted my conversation with the people I'm talking to. But like, I'm glad that this person felt safe to approach me on this really exactly, otherwise really yeah. vulnerable topic. And so that was kind of heartwarming at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, if a little awkward. And then, like, I go back to talking to Travis and Katie, and then I say, I'm an imposter going to this panel because I never had a GameCube growing up. That was just, I never had Nintendo consoles. I was given a PS2 uh, when I was, like, seven or eight years old, and that was the console that I followed. And then another stranger on the opposite side um, decides to interject to our conversation and decides to say, like, yes, you are an imposter. Because, like, <laughs> Emphatically. I, I kind of think Katie and Travis can help me out on, on characterizing this person because oh I immediately was just shocked that there was an in-real-life console warrior literally um, taking my joke, my self-deprecating jokes a little too seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And took it further and then, and then uh, proceeded to say, uh, you said, well, yeah, I mean, I had this and I had this, but then after I got my, my PlayStation 2 and I've been a Sony person ever since. And then they said, oh, I'm so sorry for your life, basically. <laughs> and uh, I got a 360 and I've and I've rolled with that ever since. And I'm happy. And then I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom before this <laughs> panel starts. And then I come back to find out it got worse. It got worse the because then it just kept going and it was pretty much like death to Sony. And yep. like, Sony oh, has yeah. to burn and die so yeah once so they want sony to burn and die it was just like this entire thing uh, and me and flora are just like oh yeah like ironically or no, like no no no, 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 no irony no oh, irony no. whatsoever like very emphatically wanting sony to crash and burn and never come back compare them to the energy of the person on the panel who came up and was just like sonic adventure 2 is the worst game ever made no. like, compare that energy no different energy that that was okay. like yeah they feel passionately Enthusiastic about and it happy about something yeah yeah but they're excited to be talking about this no no this person was just not not quite that energy more i'm gonna tell you about how you failed in life because you're a sony fan <laughs> I'm going to tell aggression you. on the panel, the person who like made the really aggressive case for this game, um, they were clearly self-aware of the yes. irony of how aggressive yes. they were being. Yes. The person we were speaking to, I don't think realized that this is usually like a, when people refer to console warriors, it's like jokingly, like these, this is not really a seriously held position, like flat earthers level of like mm, unserious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that lack of self-awareness was very apparent. And I was just trying to say that like, Hey, I'm excited to hear about all this stuff because I don't really have a concrete opinion on it. And then uh, my lack of opinion was, you know, then seen as a moral failing. So. Jeez. Man. Because yeah, that, I, I experienced one of those like really nice moments where someone came up and they were like, you're sure, like in the Jimmy John's? Yeah. When you ordered oh a pickle and I had the worst lettuce sandwich of my life that was literally just lettuce, mayo, and slices of salami. No gluten, um, though. No gluten, though. But that was a really nice moment where yeah. they looked at your shirt and they were just like, yeah. yeah a mom and her, like her son, um, who was trans, um, pointed out while we were waiting in line that they loved the shirt and stuff. And like the kid outed himself to me. And like, that was just really sweet. Like, Aww. especially because the mom, I think that one was like, I was way more prepared for it because A, it had already happened. But B, like, I have a really um, intimate understanding of how destabilizing like a trans relationship can like be for a mother in particular and so like the fact that this mom was like oh my god there's like this random adult who's like supportive of my kid like you could tell that this mother was like relieved or like gratified that she saw Aww, this and and i so felt i felt really See? great about that interaction that's so good i love yeah. that yeah 
Um, you mentioned your article on Epilogue Gaming. Uh, it's called... We're plugging this a lot The Best here. Games. Yeah, we're plugging <laughs> it. The Best Games at PAX East 2023 Highlights from My First Gaming Conference. Uh, it's on Epilogue Gaming. We'll link it in a resource. We mentioned the panels the that were done. Uh, I hosted... Uh, the GameCube panel that we mentioned, uh, that's already out. I'll link it in, in the resources. Video game trivia should be out when this comes out, but I'm not fully sure, so look for it in this feed and on my YouTube channel. If it's out, I'll link it in the resource. And then as well, uh, I sat on Luke Lewis's video game music panel, so I'll link that in the resources as well. Nice. Anything else you guys want to jump on as far as like impressions of the whole thing before we talk about some video games? Um, the panel thing, I think, is worth acknowledging briefly because yeah. that was, I would say, unexpectedly a highlight for me. I knew I would enjoy them, but I didn't realize to what degree I would enjoy them. Part of that was sitting nearby you all and sort of like whispering reactions in real time. Part of that was, oh, my friend is up there like and doing a good job, like whipping this crowd and like yeah, and having Jacob. a lot of. Yeah. And. Also, the subject matter was just, like, engaging. Like, some of the, the structure of, like, the GameCube uh, panel were, like, hey, the audience participated in with the panel in forming, like, a list. That was really, really cool. Or um, the panel we did with video game trivia. Like, I, I didn't know my teammate very well at all, but, like, I we got along well enough. And, um, and just playing off of the audience's energy, like, just that sort of stuff was wow, I want to do more of these uh, in a future packs. Either I would want to host one or just be on more of them or something because uh, as an audience member and as a panelist, both sides were equally fun for me. Can I just say quickly, I think huge missed opportunity by not naming your team Celeste Porter Bridges. Yeah, it was a good alt. It was a good <laughs> alt, but not as big a of a miss. Like, it's not as good, though, as uh, Steel Battalion. You know, that's <laughs> Steel the, Battalion. The unofficial official name of the then, winning team. Me and Travis... One failing at video game trivia and failing, failing to name ourselves for real. <laughs> for sure, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. fine. No, the panels were great. Um, I literally only went to panels that Jacob either hosted or was on. Um, but also, like, panels can be really dependent on like whatever the subject matters. But I find the most fun is when I'm at one that the audience is involved, and Jacob mm-hmm. does a wonderful job of being a host that involves his audience and it they're just so fun because the whole crowd is reacting and then it's like watching a funny movie in a theater and the whole theater is laughing Mm -hmm. you get it it just kind of adds to the experience whereas if it was just people just talking up at the up at the top of a table and you know it that's fun that's great and sometimes they're great unless if you're really bringing like a, a really strong like i don't know intellectual discussion that i'm like really thinking about but otherwise like when you're having a fun trivia panel or like a fun GameCube discussion about the best GameCube games, like bringing in the audience the way Jacob does is just so good. And they're just so fun. And like literally top like panels that I've been to at PAX out of all of the ones that I've been to um, across all of the other PAXs that I've been to this, these two were like the most fun that I've had. Yeah. GameCube was awesome. GameCube was amazing. And I never owned a GameCube. I'm not a big Nintendo person and I was engaged. And and then especially with people like passionately pitching their, their favorite game that they want on the list. And I'm like, this is fun. And everyone's like, like, how were they prepared to do? Oh my God. They had pitches 15 seconds to pitch their game to the panel of why they should be included in the list to dethrone another game. And they had 
like 95% of the people had like amazing, amazing. 15 second even, pitches. Yeah. I can't even I pitch cutscenes and I've been doing it for how many years now? I can't even yeah. pitch cutscenes. Well, I mean, we're bad like, at it. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. But there's no way I would be able to do that. But these but people were, were like on it. They like, I know yeah. I want to talk about Kirby's air ride and they just like yeah. went for it and it was yeah. so good. Even would, the first person who like didn't have time to really think about it, mm-hmm. they crushed it too. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was shocked because I was like, oh, I, I do the 15 seconds because you know what you've seen it at, at conventions where like people get a mic and they don't typically get a mic and mm-hmm. they go on and on and on and then you have to like cut them off. So I'm like, cool. That I may fun. ask you a follow up question. Because it added pressure. You have 15 seconds. Like yeah. it added pressure to the person to like, I have and to get my pitch more in people 50. involved. Yeah. And it keeps yeah. the pace going too. Um, yeah. I would I would go to if I were to go return to PAX I would go to like a couple panels mm-hmm. two or three I think was my sweet yep. spot I don't really want to go to that many more just because I don't know I'd rather be roaming and exploring yeah. and yep. seeing what's going mm-hmm. on than like stuck in one place but like two or three yeah great it's a good sweet I think spot. that Travis and I were scarred and I will not say what panel <laughs> it is because I'm not that person um, it's a but running Travis and I went to a panel that uh, was a solo creator who essentially said, I'm going to do this on the panel. And it was a thing that both Travis and I were like, wow, that's great. And then we get there and they were like a a relatively prominent creator at the time. And instead they were like, yeah, I didn't really prepare anything. So like, I'm just going to do a QA. and a And Travis and I were just like, I don't know who the hell you are. So you you baited us and now we're here. So Travis and I walked out after seven Ugh, minutes. Yeah. So I just try and avoid that. I'm like descriptions that yeah. are what we're going to do and we're going to stick to it. And then audience, because most of the time, and y'all know this, like 95%, not maybe not that much, 70% of the audience knows just as much as we do about the thing. So like, why not get them involved in the thing? They're no exactly. better than us. Yeah. Like 30% of people know less, but 70% know as much or more. So why not bring them into it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were one or two panels that were sort of um, expert-led, I would say, that I didn't get to go to that I think would have an entirely different vibe, but I still feel like I missed out on not going to them. So the two that I'm thinking of, um, one, Jacob and I, uh, we had a demo go a little too long and we missed it. Uh, It was about like video games in the classroom. And um, an online acquaintance of mine, um, Zach from Hey Listen Games, was uh, putting together this panel and he had told me about it since I missed the panel where his students led. Um, And I really wanted to like, that's something I care about, like finding like educational value in video games games um and we just simply we arrived a little too late and the panel was um full as far as the audience went and so we didn't get to go listen to it like i don't expect that that panel involved the audience but i do feel like that was a loss that i didn't get to like that's the thing just sit in on it um and another one that just didn't line up was um psychology and elden ring i thought that would have been really Mm -hmm. fun um but just you know just didn't have time and sometimes the roll of the dice goes that way Mm mm-hmm and then, so what we'll do is, because I also was very sad, and I've not met Zach in real life, and I've really wanted to, um, I will link Zach's second panel, uh, which is called, Can We Finally Admit Games Should Be in the Classroom? Because it's on YouTube. That'll be a resource. Cool. And then the psychology of Elden Ring, I believe, was actually Harry from 61 Indie that led that. And so I'll link that as well if I can find it. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to talk about some video games? Yes. Sure. Let's do it. All right. So uh, what we're going to do is we're each going to bring three games that we're going to talk about kind of in depth. Uh, We've got some interviews from developers, which is cool. And then after we'll talk about our honorable mentions, uh, does anyone want to jump in with their first game? If not, I can do it. I could start. Okay, Katie, go for it. Sure. I think this is the first game that I played of the entire weekend. Was this 
me and Travis wandering around and I went, that game. I wanted to play that game. There it is. And there was nobody sitting there, which was Backpack Hero. Yeah, this was the first one. Yeah, it was. So um, I had a lot of fun with Backpack Hero. So it is a game by Jasper is the developer. It's it's either one Jaspel. person or a small team. I've seen two different things. I've seen Jasper and Jasper, depending on where I look. So I'm not sure. But um, so Backpack Hero is basically a roguelike with a um, major focus on inventory management, which cool. I love. Yeah. I don't know why. It's one of those things like Resident Evils. I'm like, great. I can I can manage my case. Yes. <laughs> like it's like a big part of, of the thing that I like. Um, so it's uh, think like if you've ever played Dicey Dungeons, it's kind of like a map like that where you're kind of so making good. your way through the rooms and picking which direction you want to go. Um, and you'll have little fights with uh, different enemies and they will then drop uh, equipment, whether weapons, armor, um, uh, one-time use items or like charms. And then you have to pick which one you want. And then depending on where you put it in your pack, it will change the stats. So like, let's say a helmet. It has, if you put it at the top of your pack... Um, you'll ha- get bonus defense or you'll have if you put this item adjacent to this item it will up this um, and I I rolled through that demo so easily that you I was like it. but I really enjoyed it yeah. um, so I'm really curious to see kind of where it goes like are we gonna have multiple levels of difficulty are we like I don't know how, what the scope at the end of it is going to be but uh, the character is really cool. He's like a little mouse with a little backpack. He's adorable. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of the games that I left going, oh, I would I would totally keep playing that. Like if there was another level beyond that, I would have been like, yeah, I'll just keep playing this for two hours. Um, Katie's being very modest. She absolutely destroyed that demo. Like to the point where I was like... This looks easy. I don't know if I would have made the same choices Katie made, but Katie's just like dumping items out of... I'm like, I would have kept everything. And Katie's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. Got rid of all her things and then just maximized that backpack so well that literally for maybe like the last two thirds of the demo, she took zero damage because she had so much like armor and then was one hitting every enemy all the way through. And I was like, and then the whoever the person was that was running the booth came up and was like... So you're really good at that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like a variation of Slay the Spire a little bit, just as far as attack and defense and how that's organized and um, uh, debuffs and buffs that you can put on the enemy or on yourself. There was a lot. There was some things that reminded me of Slay the Spire, which, and I love Slay the Spire, um, but obviously in a different like attack style, like there's no cards, but um but yeah, no, love this game. I will keep an eye on it. I will, I will probably get it when it comes out. But it, it'll be something that I that I keep a very watchful eye on. And then what we'll do is all of these games that we've selected today, weirdly, are on Steam. So if you have a PC, a Steam Deck, whatever, I'll include the link for you to wishlist the games mm-hmm. because wishlisting ga- games actually having conversations with devs really matters. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. That was um, a Backpack Hero by Jaspel. Uh, who's next? I can, Why don't I go? Yeah, go ahead. So I want to talk about the Mage Seeker, A League of Legends story. 
which is a demo that I got behind closed doors. Fancy. Uh, it, it's out on April 18th, I believe. It's being developed by Digital Sun. Uh, they made... Um, ba- Moonlighter. Um, wow. Ma- Moonlighter. Thank you. I was going to say Mage Seeker, but they made Moonlighter. <laughs> we played it on the pod. So if you want to hear about their last game, find Moonlighter in our feed because we had really positive feedback about that one. Um, it is essentially like Moonlighter, but a, a bigger focus on the combat. So imagine it's kind of like a kind of like a Hades like, but it is a it is a story. So it feels a lot like Hades, but there's a story Mage Seeker in that you can actually take powers from other like mage like beings in the world. So if someone has an ice power, you can steal it from them. Or if someone has a fire, you can steal it from them. You eventually get your own um uh like powers that you can use throughout the game as you continue to level up. But the combat feels really good. The graphics are like the pixel art is insane. And then even if you're not a League of Legends fan, I think that the Riot Forge stuff that they're doing, which is them taking League of Legends IP and giving it to other developers to make cool things with it, I think it's a super cool initiative. And uh, it's literally out in like three weeks and it is the best thing that I played at PAX bar none. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to speak to uh, the CEO of Digital Sun. Um, his name is Javi. And so I'm going to queue up that interview right now. Uh, here's my chat with, with Javi from Digital Sun about Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. I'd love to know more about uh, just kind of a setup for the game. All right. uh, the Mage Seeker is a story about Silas. Uh, Silas is a mage in the Masha, a kingdom that hates and imprison mages because it fears them. So there is an organization in this kingdom called the Mage Seekers that hand down and imprison or repress mages all over the, the, the kingdom. So Silas, as a kid, used to work for the Mage Seekers because he has a special ability. He's able to sense the magic of other mages, so he was very useful for them. But there was a big accident, some people died, and he was in prison for 15 years because they feared him. And the game begins right after Silas escapes out of prison, out of the Mage Seekers, with some you know big chaos going on in the capital city of Demacia. And we get to see how Silas evolves from ex-prisoner, full of anger, bloodthirsty, willing to burn down the Masha into leading a revolution. So it tells the story of the, yeah, the, the, the men going from uh, yeah, anger-driven ex-prisoner into a leader of something that really wants to change things. Um, before I play, um, I, I played Moonlighter and I loved it. Um, so I'd love to know how this game differs from Moonlighter. Well, first of all, thank you for playing Moonlighter. And I think that the different things probably are that Moonlighter is a roguelite, and this is not. This is an action RPG, a story-driven game, so it has a beginning and an end. It has much more focus on the story, which in Moonlighter was very light. Uh, at the same time, one thing it has in common is that it's also pixel art. We learned a lot from Moonlighter, so we like to think that the Mystiker takes the level of Moonlighter and, you know, yes, <laughs> does it on a crazy level. It has 88,000 handcrafted sprites with traditional animation, so that's, a, that's an insane amount, and we hope that it tells in the game. I think it's beautiful. And another difference is that the game is much more focused on combat. In Moonlighter, the combat was relatively light because it was not the core of the experience. It was part of this dual cycle experience. Here, the combat is much more important, uh, especially the spell-stealing ability that characterizes Silas. The fact that you can steal any ability from any champion on the screen at any time. That gives it a strategic level to the combat. So the combat is uh, fast-paced uh, and the game is... I, I think we just 
worked a lot harder on making the combat feel good in comparison to, to Moonlighter. Another thing that it has in common with Moonlighter is that there is a little bit of this dual side that Moonlighter has. Like you go to the dungeons and then to the shop. Here is not as balanced, but um, Silas uh, is gathering, getting together a group of mages for a revolution. So just like in Moonlighter, you had Rinoka, this village where that was growing alongside the game. Here you have what we call the hideout. And it's a place where all the mages that you are finding in the game are going to gather together. And as you get more and more powerful mages, Silas' abilities are also going to evolve. So the fact that you build a revolution is in parallel to the progress of the main character of Silas, and that affects obviously how you behave in combat in the different missions. So there is a little bit of the dual nature of Mage Seeker, although this is not a roguelite, so it's a different structure. But I mean, you can you can tell that the DNA of Digital Sun and Moonlighter is, is here, of course. It's the same people, so it's, it has to be there. Riot Forge, obviously, um, League of Legends characters in games that are not League of Legends. Yes. Um, how did the whole Riot Forge thing happen for y'all? Uh, well, when we released Moonlighter, or first and only game, uh, apparently some people at Riot Forge had been playing uh, Moonlighter, specifically Rowan, the, the creative director of Forge, and they approached us. And they said they were fans of Moonlighter, so eventually they asked us to, to pitch them games. And we had an idea which was about a character stealing other abilities, because we had the idea of a character who would steal abilities from other champs. But Silas wasn't out. The, the champion was not released. And two weeks or, or so after we pitched that idea, they released Silas, which is a champion that steals abilities. So we were like, okay, this is the idea. We have been chosen. Like, it has to be this. Because they had clearly been working on Silas for a long time, and it just so happened y'all were making this concept. Oh, but obviously, we didn't have a clue that it was going on, and, and we pitched this idea with, without a champ league in the center, and they released Silas. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was like they really sell us for us, which was obviously not the case, but it felt like that. Yeah. So we went out with this idea, and uh, and that's it. And Forge has been super supportive, and they gave us also a lot of freedom to do the game we wanted to do. Uh, the art is beautiful. You talked about it while you were giving the demo. I'd love to hear more about the pixel art and the work that went into it. Well, first of all, thank you. I I, I agree. I, I really like the art. I'm super proud of the art team. They did an incredible work. Uh, I think it builds on top of what we learned from Moonlighter, which... I think also had a, a pretty good pixel art. So the difference here is that it's more um, synthetic. The, the tone is different, so we don't have like this cute, big-headed characters like Will. This is a little bit different because also we needed we needed more stylized characters to do more animations. The game is very animation intense, so there is a lot of um, you know characters moving around doing crazy stuff. So. That plus all the visual effects that we added on top, I think, creates quite a good show. And it's important because uh, in the game, that situations in combat, when you have a lot of enemies doing a lot of spells at the same time, gets very intense, and that's part of the fun of the game. So we needed, we needed, you know, um, showmanship in the pixel art. Let's say. Um, beyond putting a lot of work into the uh, the art, um, there's also tons of different spells from what you've said, or uh, tons of different spells in the game. Um, tell me what you can say about the different spells that you get beyond the ones that you can steal from other enemies. Sure. Um, what we do in the game is that as you steal spells from the enemies, you kind of learn them. And there is a way in the game, in your hideout, uh, with your like your colleagues of the revolution, that you can craft spells and equip them. So any spell you find in the game, you can eventually use it. So the idea is that you can, in the middle of the combat, use for free whatever is around you, or use mana to use one of the spells you have equipped. So before you enter a mission, there is a decision to be made about what kind of spells are going to be useful in this mission. So you kind of build your combination of spells to play. And you have all, con all kinds of spells. There. Like you have projectiles, area of effect, like kind 
kind of passives that affect the way the way you attack, for example, and later in the game you have even bigger stuff. So yeah, there are like I think there are thirty something spells. I don't remember the name, the number. Um, uh, there are a few other characters we saw in the trailer from the the broader League of Legends universe. Uh, can you talk about those? Yes, uh, we can talk about uh, the champions that appear in the game. Those are well, Silas, of course. Then is Garex, uh, Garen, and his sister Lux. Then we have Jarvan and Shivana, and then we have Morgana. The music was really striking. Gareth Coker obviously made the music. What was it like working with him on on the soundtrack? Well, for us, it's an honor to be able to work with professionals like Gareth Coker. Um, I mean, he worked on Ori, a game we totally love, and also huge productions like Halo. So. We wouldn't have been able to work with Gareth if it wasn't in a Riot Forge game. So for us, it's great, and it's been a, a learning experience. Yeah, and we're super happy with the result. Um, this game's obviously out in uh, just a few weeks' time. Um, what's the thing that you're most excited for players to jump into for the first time when they jump into Mage Seeker? I hope two things probably for those who are more interested in the gameplay is the combat i think that's the most standard feature of the game i think the combat is different from any other game that i know the way you use abilities in the middle of an action rpg is, is quite different and i like the the quick decision making that it generates and if you play it in hard difficulty it's certainly a challenge so i really think that i hope that's something that players like and for those who are interested in the in the league lore I think the story, also for those who don't know anything about the league lore, but the story itself, I think, is interesting. It touches a lot of gray areas. It has interesting characters. This is not Lord of the Rings. These are the good ones. These are the bad ones. It's a little bit more nuanced. And I think there there are some very cool moments in the game. Yeah. You spoke a little bit about like your passion for League Esports. Is that something in the studio that everyone is super passionate about or you know, that they grasp onto different areas of League of Legends, whether it is esports or the different IPs or different um, properties that are being built now? Uh, well, we are in the studio, not everyone, because not everyone is a, a League fan, but a lot of people at Digital Sun are League of Legends fans. They play the MOBA, others play TFT or they might play Legends of Runeterra. And uh, we are huge fans of the MOBA. We, several of us, including myself, are also fans of the esports side of things. Actually, we started a small esports club in Spain, which is on the third division local. It's not important, but that tells you how much we, we like and we care about that. So, yeah, we are, we are deep into League of Legends. Yeah. Who do you cheer for, like personally and maybe as a studio? Is there a, is there a franchise that you've kind of gripped onto? No, I mean, there are fanatic fans in the studio. Personally, I was an Origin fan back in the day, so I was sad to see them to see them disappear and obviously we support european teams whenever they go to worlds i'm here with a u.s journalist so i'm not gonna say anything else about that <laughs> um anything else you want to say uh for folks that you know may not be league of legends fans but may know your other work uh, to get them to try the game well we hope that if you like moonlighter or you like action rpgs uh, we think you should give a try to the mystiker because we did put here as much love as we did in Moonlighter. I think you can tell that from the game. And we always kept in mind that we wanted people who are not League fans to enjoy the game. For, for us, this is, a, this is obviously a Red Forge collaboration, but we, wanted, we, we always saw this as a, an original game of Digital Sun, and we wanted it to work perfectly standalone. So I think the game is totally enjoyable. If you know nothing about League of Legends, you will learn stuff about League of Legends, and hopefully you will enjoy the game just the same. You don't need to, you don't need to be into League to enjoy the game. Um, tell me when this game is coming out and, and on what platforms. 
uh, it's coming out on the 18th of April and it's pretty much everywhere. It's going to be on Steam, Epic GOG on PC and also all consoles. So it's Switch, uh, PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, right? Yes, all of them and also PS4 and PS5. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks to you. Thank you. All right. So those are my thoughts about a Mage Seeker, a Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. Um, who's next about their game? I will say Mage Seeker is one of the regrets of my packs that I should have booked it. I should have done it. Jacob warned me about it. And I was like, League of Legends, I don't know. Do I need to book that? No, nah, I won't. And then I should have done it. But, you know, yeah. it's fine. It's coming it wasn't out on the soon, floor. So. It's three weeks. You can wait. Not even. It's less than three weeks. It's the 18th. So now it's like two weeks by the time this comes out. Yeah, um, one of the games that I played was Gory Cuddly Carnage, and I wouldn't have found this game if, if not for the fact that we were talking about what we were booking in advance of the trip, and um, it just it crossed one of y'all's radars, and so it landed on mine, and um, I didn't know what I was getting into. I saw a screenshot or two. I said, that looks pretty, and that was the extent of the thought. <laughs> so I, I showed up to this booth for like a scheduled time, which um, if not for Travis taking a picture of the booth and sending it in Discord, I wouldn't have found in time. So uh, already off to an interesting start here. Um, the game itself, Gory is like this cat character. It's a game that sort of like mashes together like jet set radio and ratchet and clank and like conquers fur day and like just a few other like just unusual combinations that somehow work really well um it's a fast-paced game where like momentum is what carries you through it and uh it's very combat heavy like sort of just um you your cat character has a sort of sentient hoverboard that turns into various <laughs> kinds of weapons oh and then you kill these like demented zombie unicorns that are running at you <laughs> in droves and it's like neon splatter and like cyberpunk vibes and uh, I, I couldn't tell you anything meaningful about this game other than just <laughs> I, I was having so much fun just like doing the things the game asks you to do. Hoverboarding, mm -hmm. grinding on rails, doing wall like rides, um, using your weapon and upgrading it and like just uh, trying to avoid as much damage as possible while breaking shields of enemies. And um, I, I don't usually go for games based on mechanics, but that's really what held me in here. Um, I'm usually a lot more aesthetically driven, narratively driven, and for this game, I mean, it has some of that stuff, but, like, the sense of humor of this game, I can take it or leave it. Like, I'm, I'm fine with it being a little, like, over-the-top goofy, like, crude for the sake of crude, like, there's, mm -hmm. like, censored mm -hmm. curse words and stuff all yeah. throughout the dialogue for no real reason. I was like, what is this, BMX Triple X? Like, yeah, what are we doing here? It feels very, like, early 2000s edgy cartoon, like, um, but I, Gun but, Unicorn. Yeah, it's stupid. Sword like, Unicorn. No, no, None of we've let him out of the box. We've let him out. <laughs> oh, no, put him back. I played the demo. I played the demo, and that's literally like that was the voiceover in the game. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. See, I only watched Flora play this, and I was like, this is chaos. Like this is <laughs> yeah. pure chaos. I don't know what's happening on the screen. It was it, very arcadey. Katie had said yes. it was arcadey when we were there, and I was like, oh yeah, I could see this being like, you know, you kind of just play through a level, and it's yep insane and it, you just kind of go for it and it doesn't like really matter but it's just fun like yep. yeah yeah that's how i was going to describe watching it is arcadey colorful chaos yeah that's mm -hmm. it yeah. yeah yeah or cuddly carnage as the game yeah. subtitle <laughs> nice. i could see the game being a little one note when it comes out yep. yeah um depends so on I how the it's... rest of the levels go yeah mm -hmm. yeah how, how long it is very how much uh uh, variance there is and like the type of levels and where you're going and uh, flora 
I asked on that point. So um, oh, that was nice. the immediate thing that I was a little bit on edge about is like, okay, I, I buy into this game. I'm vibing with the mechanics. But if you give me 10 hours of this, I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. there's no way I'm making it to the credits. Yeah. And so uh, I phrased it more delicately than that as a question. <laughs> but um, but I, I basically, um, the developer told me that the demo cut off right before a boss encounter. And the boss encounter asks you to use your mechanics very differently. Uh, oh, which I find oh. fun, and I like that as like a boss arena set piece sort of thing. You have to reconsider yeah. your mechanics at that point in time. Um, then he described how like previous games that it had inspired this have like iterative mechanics where there's like one gimmick that you carry through one stage and then you never mm-hmm. use that gimmick again. Um, that sort of thing, I believe, is how this game's going to be structured. And they told okay. me it would be like eight or nine of those levels. And so the demo I got through in about 30 minutes. Apparently, that's pretty fast. Um, a lot of people say apparently take closer to an hour. And um, so he said that it would be somewhere around eight or nine levels about okay. that amount of length. And I think I can work with that. Like, it might overstay its welcome a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'm still happy to, like, see what the final product looks like when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, that was Gory Cuddly Carnage. Uh, and, again, if you want to check this game out, it's uh, we'll link it as a wish list in the show notes. Uh, so I think Travis, you're up with your first game. Yeah, um, I'll, my, I'll, I'll take. Um, even though this literally just came out, um, one of my favorite things that I played the demo of was Terra Nil. Um, it yep. came out like two days after PAX was done, um, and but this is exactly like the. T- it's like the perfect mesh of the things that I like in yep. a game. It's it's marketed as like a reverse city builder, essentially where you're um, instead of building a city, you're trying to terraform a wasteland and you're using the same kind of things that you would do um, with a a regular city builder. You know, you need to put this down to be able to do this and put this down to be able to do this. And it it just consecutively keeps growing and you want to um, add a grassland. You can maybe do a, a water thing or prescribe burn to then be able to make a forest. And you have a goal of like the points that you're trying to accumulate um, as you're going. And, and then you have to use those points to then buy more things. And uh, I, the demo, like, honestly, you could keep going. It, the demo was long. I could have just mm-hmm. kept going. Eventually I was just like, I got what I want out of this. And I stepped away. Cause I was like, oh, I feel kind of bad. There's people waiting in line and I could have just kept going forever with it. Um, and I'm really happy to see that. Like it came out, it's getting really good reviews. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't like bought it yet. I'm kind of hoping it eventually comes out for switch. I would like, I think I would like to be able to just sit down and play this handheld. I think I would, mm-hmm. I would like that a lot. Um, and I don't know. I think I like the puzzle aspects of like, I have to, control the spacing of how far I put things to try to cover the most amount of space. Um, but I, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed that demo. It's, uh, it's just calming and I could see myself trying to maximize everything that I'm trying to do while I'm playing that game because there's, there's just no time limit. There's no rush. It's just nice and quiet. And as an added bonus, they, they're little cards that you get from the, uh, for the demo for the game. They're embedded with like wildflower seeds. So I immediately went home and planted those and Flora is devastated that she didn't get to pick some up. <laughs> I would have stood in line just knowing there were seeds in the I should card. have just grabbed some for you. I didn't even uh, think of it. I, I gave you mine, right? Jacob gave me his because he yeah. was like, this has seeds in it. I don't want this. And then just handed like, oh. it over to me. <laughs> this is life that I need to take care of. Yeah. No. So mine is sitting in a pot upstairs in some soil and we're going to see what happens. But I will post progress pictures on my Twitter. 
and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I played it too, Travis, yeah. and it bef- like probably was one of my favorite yeah. demos of the show as well. Or I sat down and I was like, "Oh, this is out in five days. I'm just gonna buy this." Yeah. And uh, I would love to report that right before we recorded, I purchased Terra Nil. You did. <laughs> uh, I did. It's. I just bought it. So, but one thing to note is if you have a Netflix subscription and you want to play it on mobile, it is included in your Netflix subscription. See, so. You may I don't want to play it on my phone. I want to like yeah. a slightly bigger screen than that. And I want to like yep. look at my beautiful landscape as I'm like, you know, I, on my phone, it just seems like it'd be so small. And not that like I'm going to, I want to play it on my Switch handheld. It's not that different. But at the same time, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of holding out hope that maybe in a little bit of time, I'll be able to grab this game. It's an easy pick up and go, just kind of like chill vibes. Kind of game music was calming too right that's the thing it was just so yeah. calming it's just and nature sounds like i'm just yeah yeah and Good. The little when you click when you placed a like oh you made a wetland uh, yeah. the, the sound of all the ground changing was very satisfying yeah it's like it's nice because unlike a regular city builder you're just it's usually progressively getting more and more noisy more and more chaotic more and more things happening and this just feels like more and more serene and i just felt mm-hmm. good playing it so i'm very excited that it's out i'm hoping for a switch version that i'll end up getting um, if it never ends up coming to switch i'll eventually buy it for sure but uh i'm yeah i was really really happy with with that game i'm happy i got to play it and again that's terra nil t-e-r-r-a uh, n-i-l two words uh you can find the link to that in the description in the show notes here all right, so look, we talked about Terra Nil. Uh, Katie, you're up next. Do you want to talk about Slay the Princess? I do. I do want to talk okay. about Slay the Princess. Um, so this is a game that I was in the vicinity of that I wasn't going to play. Like, it didn't occur to me to play it for some... It didn't get my attention. And then someone said, oh, that game over there, you should play that game. I don't remember who it was. It may have been one of us. Was it Hooper? I know. I don't know. But anyway... Um, so I went in completely blind, know nothing about this game, and I am so intrigued by where we're going to go. So this game is made by Black Tabby Games. They made a game called mm-hmm. Scarlet Hollow that I don't really know much about either. So I went into this, and it is a kind of narrative with narrative game with branching choices where you are sent for at beginning you don't know why there's just a narrator voice saying you have to go into this cabin and you have to slay the princess you have to kill her and you go but why and you can ask as many questions as you like there's a good number of things that you can get into it's it reminded me of like an old school adventure game in that way where you can ask questions before you proceed and also you can like push on, like it has a sense of humor that I really appreciated where there was a thing of um, at one point I was looking at talking to the princess and it was like oh uh, narrow your eye like squint at the princess and say this and I did it and then she kind of brushed me off and then I had an option of like squint even harder and I'm like <laughs> yes this is old adventure game stuff of just like no, you push that button more I love it um, And basically, you don't know if the narrator is telling the truth. You don't know if the princess is telling the truth. Um, And then everyone I spoke to who has played it got different, uh, encountered different things in this short demo. Like maybe because it's kind of like a time loop. um, And I only played through like two loops. And I already got things that are drastically different from what I heard from other people. And one of the things that really hooked me was I had a little element of who am I 
Like it kind of mm. like where my um, mm. it threw into question like what my character is, mm-hmm. um, and I went oh, and it didn't it wasn't on the nose it wasn't like but what are you like are you I don't know I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much but um, but it was like a little thing that happened that I was like oh I don't know anything I don't know what I am even so it, it was just like mystery on mystery and. I don't know. It was just captivating. And also it has a really interesting story of like a development story, which um, like the game has to stand on its own merit. Right. But when a game has a like interesting like development background, it adds a little like you're rooting for the game. It is a, a two person development team. It is a wife and her husband. She does all of the um, Abby Howard is the, the game, artist, yeah. Hand drawn because it is not, it's like a scene. And then you move forward to another scene. Like you're not moving in this environment. It's like cut scene to scene. Um, she hand draws all the scenes and they scan them in to the game uh, and then put them in. And They're done then, with uh, pencil too. It's pencil. all pencil drawn. Yeah, it's not even like it's digital drawing. It's like no. hand drawn, like paper and, and they're pencil. really good like, oh they're yeah so it's good and then, and then was, together uh, they do the writing abby was a contestant on um penny arcade's uh, strip search uh which was like trying to find a um new comic artist like they, it was like a, this came out a long time ago and at least 10 years ago yeah and right? jacob had gotten me to watch and it has one season and I, was abby the winner or the no, no Abby no, was not the winner. No, she's not the winner. But Abby was on. It's honestly really, really great show. Really fast to watch. I would recommend just watching it. It's it's very, very good. But it's it's pretty much a, co- a competition show where they all have to like draw a small, a few panel comic like in uh, and you know you kind of get to see them all interact and they had little competitions along the way. But like every episode ends with them like competing to here's the prompt. Here's what you have to draw tell us a little story go and then one gets the, the like ceremoniously like shred the drawing of the one who lost or like light it on fire yep. it's really it's funny it's actually very very katie very good. rice is the name katie of the rice that that's won. right Sorry. who won yeah, yeah. that's fine one point on slay the princess um i didn't know anything about this game going into pax and wouldn't have heard about it if not for the incredibly strong word of mouth for it um from our like mutual friends and then mm-hmm. i saw katie playing it uh at the booth and so i decided to stand in line and and play it as well um i think i came away the least enthusiastic about this out of everyone i've spoken with um and i'm not going to say anything like detrimental or critical about the game it just um the fact that this game has been awarded like game of the show for some people um, is I think just really interesting. I don't know if that has to do with what Katie mentioned, like everyone has gotten different endings and maybe there would be something that happened in a playthrough that would have grabbed me more. Um, but that being said, the ending that I got, um, I, I don't know if it's wise to be specific with it at all, but like I fought with the narrator in my playthrough. Um, mm-hmm. I went in deciding to help this princess. And then, uh, after having seen some stuff that maybe would otherwise make me reconsider that, I was like, no, I'm going to be stubborn and help this princess. And then that somehow evolved rather quickly into just do the opposite of whatever the narrator asks you to do. And the fact that the game like had some really dynamic responses to my various patterns of resistance, um, was gratifying in a way that, um, I'd just like to speak to here. Like, um, there was a moment where it basically said like, stabbed the princess and you had a scroll wheel of like 
a hundred of those prompts of just like stab, 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 stab. <laughs> but if you scrolled long what? enough, if you scrolled long enough, you'd find one that says like resist. And then you could See? click the resist and oh, then the narrator man. would give you the same thing again. But then the resist thing would be somewhere else. And it was just like, cool. okay, all See, right. I, I respect what this game's doing. That's what grabbed me is I'm like, I, I, whenever I get the feeling that anything can happen, and I don't know what it is. Whereas, like, there are no walls here. It's like, it literally almost anything could happen. Mm-hmm. That really gets me. Like, I love that. Um, what was that one game? You're in the cabin. It's a card game. And then you go to two different places. Oh, Inscription. Inscription was like, I don't know I what could happen. Played. Anything could happen. Um, that stuff really, oh, I love that. This so, has big Stanley Parable vibes. Yes. Yes. I've I would say that for sure. That, but I believe you. But yeah, oh, um, I think it was, I think you're right. I think it was a little bit of the hype of like everyone talk to, talking to each other about their experience and going, wait, you did what? Oh, wait. And then it, it kind of like collectively built the hype for mm-hmm. like the convention. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what got it. And it just felt different from everything yeah. else I played. Like it really stuck out in my mind. Um, no, yeah, I, I really, really liked it. If you're curious, on Steam, there's actually a demo, which I believe is the same demo that we played on the floor that's available on Steam. You can play it on Windows or uh, Mac, so you have no excuse. That's Slay the Princess, uh, Black Tabby Games, Abby Howard, and and crew. Uh, I tried it too. It was great. Mm -hmm. Let's go over to me, and I would love to talk about Night in the Attic. Which I don't know if I actually talked about this with any of y'all. No, I honestly don't, I don't even know, know what this is. Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't. Uh, maybe was it a fancy one too? Was it uh, off the floor? Kind of. Uh, okay. It wasn't. It was on the floor, but I don't know if it was like readily accessible for folks. But gotcha. Night in the Attic uh, is a game developed by Mighty Yell. Uh, Mighty Yell is a, like a Toronto-ish based developer uh, where they made the big con uh, two years ago, which is kind of like a '90s adventure game that's got like a lot of Canadiana in it. Like, you know, Dave said so. Um, Dave said so. But uh, this game is a VR title. And do you remember those little like labyrinth puzzles that had a ball in them as a kid that you would play with where you'd like have to get the ball to avoid certain holes? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that and it starts out that way. But then when you do one of those labyrinths in VR, then it turns into your ball becomes a princess and you have to like like tilt your princess through a bunch of different puzzles. And then there's a story as well, not only in the actual labyrinth as well, but you're in surprise an attic and there's environmental like storytelling that's happening in the attic as well and this game is one that's out in literally like three weeks as well so um i won't speak about it like bigly Ugh, i won't speak about it a lot because uh, it's literally out in three weeks and it's out on major vr platforms uh but i do have an interview with dave proctor that i'd love to play for you now where dave talks a little more about the game the big con your first game 90s adventure game you're doing a vr labyrinth toy box game now how did you decide to do this one i mean everything that we try to do at mighty l like i always want to pick projects that i think are like weird in the best ways and kind of break their genres and and do new things and this was actually a a project that was brought to me by a couple of team members and 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 i was like can we can we do this and they said yes (laughs) what were they inspired by um i think like the want to have that, like that shader that you see there, I think is a huge inspiration of, you know, um, like, like what would it, like, can I, can I make this work? And I think, honestly, 
inspired by the labyrinth board. Like, what if what if this old toy, but you can turn it into this complete world and stuff like that? Like that challenge, and the 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 magic of it, I think, was like a lot of the inspiration. Did you have one of those growing up? I did, yeah, hundred percent. Actually, we all did. I think I think a lot of us did. Yeah. I would imagine there's a lot of challenges going from a game like the Big Con to developing a game in VR. Uh, anything that surprised you in the development of this game? This one needed a lot more optimization <laughs> than the big con did. Um, but it was like, it was really, um, I don't know, the team, I like to try to make sure that everybody has the, the sort of leg room to, to do their best work. And, and we had a really good development. I'm really proud of like how well the team worked together on this. What can players expect the first time they jump into the toy box world that you're creating? What I want players to expect is to just like have a have an open mind about the things that we're going to show you, be ready to be surprised and you know delighted by it, um, and and I I think you know I don't want I don't want to tell anyone how they're going to feel and react to the game, but I think they're going to feel a little sense of wonder. Like we 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 do you know we do look at like some some nostalgic elements like never ending story and stuff like that like that's where the that's where the like the attic vibe comes not from. to spoil things but like there's a story in the attic isn't there of course there is there's always a story in the attic right you you're in your grandmother's attic and you find her labyrinth board and the story of Camelot is happening on the labyrinth board with a twist Guinevere's in the lead as she should be um, but you also find you know bits of your grandmother's diary so there's the story that's happening with you right now. There's the scrolls that you collect to tell you what happened before. And then there's Grandma's Diary as well. There's three stories at once. Uh, where will players be able to play this game? And uh, when should they expect it? Uh, game is coming out on April 13th. And it is coming to Quest 2. Uh, it is also available on Quest 1 and Steam VR. So if you've got a VR headset plugged in, uh, you know, give it a go. Last question. Um, is there anything that uh, your team was surprised to learn about themselves or about developing in VR? I'll, I'll make it open uh, throughout the process of putting this together. I think a lot of us hadn't been super into VR. You know? And, and again, like I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to say any one console or style of play or anything like that is the future. Like, we just want to make cool, interesting games. And this game, when I first saw it in VR, the earliest demo of this game is the thing that made me think that VR was really cool. Um, which, like, I'm not saying, like, my game is the first cool VR game. Uh, but I just mean, like, like, when I first played this, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, stuff like that. What a great idea. I asked you a similar question in our last interview at PAX West. Um, do you have an idea for the next game yet? I don't need to know it, but, like, do you have the idea? This is the best because, like... In August, you're like, "Do you have an idea?" And I was like, "Well, maybe." And then we announced this in October, and now you're asking me this, and I'm gonna be like, well, "Maybe." And yeah, we do. That's literally all I wanted. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. All right, again. So that's um, from Mighty L. The game is called A Night in the Attic. is available on major uh, VR platforms coming this month in April. Uh, so if you've got a VR headset, please check that out. And I will say, I'm not usually a VR person, but being able to like play a labyrinth game but also it's got like environmental storytelling stuff happening too was cool for me that sounds interesting you know what yeah. it may have been there but i also kind of glanced past any vr game because i already had enough encounters 
with nausea inducing games <laughs> that I will probably talk about a little bit later. Um, but I was like, I don't need to add that into the mix. I'm having enough of a time. So, uh, yeah, but there was only like a couple VR games that I noticed like on the floor. Mm-hmm. With VR, it, I definitely felt a degree of discouragement. Like, um, I, I encounter this in my own gaming habits anyway, where, like, sometimes the inertia of just getting the headset on your face and getting the controllers synced up and, like, clearing the room, like, that's... Mm-hmm. Sure, you don't have all that setup cost. You can just put on the headset here at, at PAX. But um, there was a huge barrier to entry for me that I felt, and it's interesting that you felt that way too, uh, Katie. I have a PSVR, but I just never pull it out yeah, because, same. like you said... I have a limited space, so I have to move a couch, and yeah. it's a, it's an event. Yeah. So I have Iron Man VR that I've been dying to Same. play. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I just, it takes time, and I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and play more Fire Emblem Engage because I just want to sit and be a couch potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the friction. I want to get into is, VR, but yeah. at this point, it's such like a cost sink, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many games I would actually be able to play without wanting to, uh, you know, empty my stomach contents. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm going to wait until things go on sale a bit. But one day I would like to. Wise. Dave, Dave's a cool guy too. So, and they're obviously working on their third project. They're Canadian. So like we got to rep the homies, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, let's go over to Flora. And I want to ask you about Strayed Lights, which is a game that you and Katie played. Yeah. Strayed Lights, um, one of the developers just walked up when I was watching someone else play it and said, hey, would you like to get in line to play this game? And um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have immediately stood in line for this game, but um, there was something aesthetically that drew me in. And it has a very, um, like, I don't know, it feels like it could be a game that belongs in, like, the Annapurna catalog of, like, just mm-hmm. art house sort of, like, mm-hmm. bent design. Um, but... When describing this game to people who weren't at PAX, I've said that it's like a some sort of hybrid of like Dark Souls and Journey, which like take a drink, you know, like that's (laughs) what a generic framing of what a game is like. But I promise it was more engaging than that or I wouldn't have put it on this list. Um, The Dark Soulsiness of it is like, hey, you have these very um, encounter timing based boss battles that you're like you're in in an arena and you have to like react to it in a precise manner. Um, but then the journey element, I mean, quite literally Austin Wintory did the soundtrack on the game, which Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to appreciate the soundtrack in the, uh, PAX floor, but, um, the demo is on steam and it's apparently slightly different. Although I've only played like half an hour of it on my personal computer, but, uh, just like literally putting it on my speakers at home that I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, this is definitely Austin Wintory touched this. And, um, it's, it's like exploration combat heavy. Um, the gimmick in combat is that you have to match parrying instead of attacks to what an like a big monster is throwing at you and the big monster is throwing um either orange or blue attacks at you and you have to on the fly swap your own parry to match that color and then there's also the wrinkle of unblockable attacks which are purple and you just have to dodge those and um the game is apparently about like human emotions that go too far that become extreme and uh the game i think is going to explore eight or nine of those and so it'll be a modestly linked game um the exploration stuff is like take it or leave it there's some cool like vistas that the game has like underground like crystal caverns and stuff that i liked but then the boss battles were the highlight here and i think that um just seeing if the mechanics evolve like there's little upgrades and stuff um just seeing where that goes i think is is gonna be really fun and um especially if this game is as short as it seems like it might be i think it'll be something uh rather special so so 
on reflection, I realized that I kind of had the opinion of this game that you, Flora, had of Slay the Princess. Oh, okay, fun. Where I thought, so the exploration, like you said, it's take it or leave it. You're, I was just kind of moving forward to get to the next enemy. And then I was kind of like going, what, what is this? What is this about? And also the, the traversal wasn't interesting in any way. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm moving forward. Oh, I beat this thing. I'm moving forward. And it, it didn't really grab me. And then the combat, once I got deeper, like near the end of the demo, I was a little bit more, I was more engaged than at the start because at the start, I'm like, I don't even really need to move. I'm just hitting the, the trigger buttons to hmm. do my parry, but I didn't really need to do anything else and occasionally dodge to the side. But so I didn't find that I, I enjoy a timing parry. I like, I'm a, a big Sekiro fan. I love a parry, but I was like, I'm not doing enough here. And then later on in the demo, there was like two enemies. And I'm like, okay, I have to move a little bit. Okay. We're adding a little, little bit more to it. And then there's a very small skill tree that I don't know how much that would vary how you play the game. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I felt like there wasn't enough meat on it, I guess. I was like, there, I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. This is the core mechanic of the game. And around that core mechanic, I didn't get a lot. Um, I, it was pretty. I appreciated that. And, and I love an Austin Winery sound, uh, you know, scored game. Yep. Love it. But Abzu, Journey, Banner Saga, if yeah. y'all don't know. It's something that I would I will I will keep a little eye on and kind of see what the reaction is when that game comes out. But it's 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 probably not a pickup for me personally. But unless hmm. who knows, and they might. I also don't know kind of what the scope of the game is really. Right, we we played like a twenty minute demo, right? So who hmm. knows? But uh, but yeah, I didn't come away like super impressed. But I like some components of it. Katie needs games that are hard. Katie's criticisms, I think, are all fair, um, and I ultimately agree with them. Um, I don't know if agreeing with them makes me like lessen my uh, recommendation for this game or like this demo, but like there are a few more highlights of packs that would have made it into this list, but like in my demo experience, there were like technical issues with the demo mm. that like completely undermined my ability to appreciate them, mm. uh, and so like that sort of stuff is partially what's at stake like i think in a perfect world like if things hadn't gone wrong technically with some other demos we would be having a different conversation with a different game but um straight lights like had zero technical issues for me and so mm-hmm. um that was partially i think why it went down so smoothly is like it, it immediately felt like intuitive as a game there were no issues hiccups stutters anything like that so like uh, you- embers is publishing it's yeah. the first game self-publishing uh the demos on steam for windows and then this one comes out on the 25th of april so it's it's right at the doorstep yeah wow really soon yeah so that's strayed lights uh travis tell us about capes yeah um capes was like this like very you barely could find it it wasn't really widely shown or anything it was like two little computers that were just kind of like in a mix of a bunch of games um but i had i don't even know how i had heard of it but it's essentially XCOM with superheroes um if you're like going to very very basic level here um but i i had a really 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 good time with it um you're pretty much just doing it's it's strategy turn-based you know tactics and you have a cast of superhero kind of generic superhero characters that you're um using to you know complete these little going through the story it's very 
surface level, it seems very just like basic story XCOM stuff. Um, But what I really appreciated was the different, like I say generic superhero, but I actually feel like when they say, you know, we have like 20 unique superheroes, like or whatever, when they market a game, I actually felt like most (laughs) of the characters felt very unique. Like they Mm -hmm. were different. It wasn't like, here's the guy that's strong and here's the (laughs) one that shoots lightning and here's the one that does fire. Like they were strangely unique and specific in what they could do with their power sets, which made figuring out the puzzles, uh, the the puzzle of like the tactics turn base much more interesting. Um, The game does a a thing too, where you're doing a lot of comboing with other characters that you're fighting with. So you have, you know, this character can, I don't know, uh, you know, ram into characters and you have another one that can teleport. So you can put them together to have the ramming attack teleport you forward or, or whatever. Right. Um, I will say, like, the game felt very demo-y in that there was, like, some wonkiness. Uh, I definitely, like, clipped a, an enemy through, like, a, a grate, and then they just stayed floating there, even when, like, a cutscene mm-hmm. kept playing through, um, which was fine. I, I That doesn't bother me. But uh, the one person who was, like, being the exhibitor for that demo had mentioned that, like, they had talked to the developers and said they kind of wished that the characters were a little bit more punchier. Like, there was more impact to... <sighs> The fighting and I and I would agree that like I feel like it is funny to I mean and this is kind of a problem with most tactics games is that like you go up or like you shoot and there's really no impact for the character because they have to stay in that cube like they're yep. they're square that they're at so they're not really going to go flying or anything but it can make it feel a little anticlimactic uh, when you're punching a character really hard and they just kind of do a little flinch move and then it, it's just a little <laughs> not, yeah and like there wasn't any voiceover either so I yeah. think maybe there, if there was like some grunts or something it just kind of felt like there'd be a little bit more impact would help. Um, but the, uh, yeah, this is, this is like, uh, if anyone ever played freedom force, I that's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. You said this is from some of the folks that worked on freedom force, which was what a rational games made before Bioshock. Yes. It's, it's kind of like this, but it's more like almost like like an RTS. Yeah. Freedom force is very like, it's like lie. Like you're, it's not turn-based. You're like actively going through, uh, an environment kind of a top-down scenario and you have your different powers that you're using and there's like a character creator and whatnot but the characters in this game feel like freedom force characters and i yes. loved freedom force growing up like that was something that i played and modded a ton and just like made threw in as many x-men as i could into that game so that i could just like <laughs> do what i could but this it it, I think there's a lot of promise there and I'm I, I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. Um, it says like estimated like releases like 2023, but I don't know. I think I'd rather it cook for a little bit longer if anything. So. This felt like a 24 game. Yeah, I'd be fine mm-hmm. with that too. Like let it l- like work out all the kinks, make it good, make it smooth. Like, yeah. Otherwise, I, I'm looking forward to it. So. I agree. Yeah. It felt like it needed some. It needs some time in the oven still. Yes. Um, but that was also kind of the opinion. It was the. It was a member of the publishing team uh, that yes. we spoke with who said, "Oh, yeah, we have notes for the developers that that this could be improved and this can be improved." And I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. you're you're aware of kind of where it's at and yeah. have like a realistic impression of it, but it has like really good bones." As they That's say. the thing, and this um, is like this developers like for it's Spitfire Interactive. It's their, yeah. it's their first game. Like they've made nothing else. Like this is the first time they're doing something, which is kind of I, I like that a lot. I, it, it's got a lot of like Katie said, really good bear, like bones to it. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see kind of where it goes. Yeah, this is published by Datalik, 
and I believe they're publishing the Lord of the Rings Gollum game that's yes, coming out are. soon. Yes, they are. That's what was that that booth? Yeah, they're a French. Pu- no, they're a German publisher. Um, so uh, and there's a demo on Steam, but it is an older demo of the game. It's from October, so I would say like proceed with caution. We've mm-hmm. not tried it, but it's an older demo. But either way, I played it. It was promising, but it like we said, we still remains to be seen how it how it lands. Yeah, for sure. Again, that's Capes. Uh, go check it out on Steam. Uh, so let's move back to Katie. And your last game here was Every Day We Fight. Mm-hmm. So this is another mm-hmm. XCOM-like. Um, a <laughs> little different, though. So I I had booked this. This was an appointment. I had booked it, even though, because I love XCOM games. But I thought that it looked like it might be messy. Like, it might be like they're trying too many things. I didn't know how it would go going in. It was one of my favorite games that I'm like, no, I would just keep playing this. If you'll let me, I'll just play this. Like, just just, just hand it over. Um, <laughs> it still has, like, a little bit of things. I would like some things baked in the oven a little bit longer. But um, so the basic idea is it is similar to XCOM. It's a tactics game. Um, but it has more components of it that are, like, more real-time action a little bit. So before you're detected, you move around freely, like with the WASD uh, buttons and just kind of like run around the map and you can, you know, put your people kind of position where you want. You can also pick up things. So you can like pick up weapons if you find them and swap out weapons. And um, then once you're detected, it kind of switches more to like an XCOM style turn-based. But when it is your turn, if you're going to shoot at something it is like a real-time reticle like you are aiming um and taking the shot so you're kind of looking around so as opposed to XCOM, where it's like oh you have a this person's very far away you have a 10 percent chance of making this shot you just pull up your your you know your weapon and you go oh that person's really far away this is the size of my reticle i'm probably not going to hit them um also you can do a you can basically like spend a couple ability points to more or less like take a deep breath and like aim your shot better, which zooms in, tightens up your reticle, but then the the character the, the people that you're aiming at will move very slowly. Kind of made me think of like super hot. Like, oh mm. now that I'm aiming, they're moving a little bit. So I actually found myself like taking a deep breath before I in the game took a deep breath to shoot because I'm like, people are gonna start moving. And when that happens, it's it's I like it. Um And then, yeah, you have different characters. Each character has, like, a specific ability um, that you could strategize about where you put them on the map, um, where that ability would be, like, best used. And then when the enemy is shooting at you, you you have, like, a... You have enough time to decide, but you can, like, scatter. So when they're aiming at you, you can move your character behind cover. And if the cover's close enough, like, you're not gonna get hit. Um, It's more, like, physics-based than, like, percentage-based. Um, as opposed to XCOM. But yeah, I really, really liked it. And it seemed like they they have a lot of goals of things that they want to add into it. They want to do upgrades and like um, where you can upgrade characters, you could get equipment. Like there was a lot of stuff that that they want to do. Um, I just think it has a lot of potential. And I liked how like more active it was um, as opposed to XCOM, they're very, they, you know, they said it's not similar, but I'm like, well, you're, you're, uh, it's a tactics game where you're fighting invading aliens. It, uh, it's it's kind of <laughs> similar to XCOM, but it, there is a twist that I really enjoyed. Um, 
as a little spin on it. So no, I will, I will wait for this and probably pick it up when it comes out. I'm just shocked that more games haven't done this, like, you know, uh, tactics, but then you can like go into actually third person shooting. Mm -hmm. Did any of you play Codename Steam on 3DS? No, but this sounds, I feel like I've looked it It up It was an intelligent systems game. Like it was the Advance Wars, Fire Emblem (coughs) folks. It didn't land really well, but it was a combination of tactics that they do like masterfully. And then once your turn, you executed your turn, it was almost like a third person shooter on 3DS. Mm, Okay. And that's the only other game besides this one, Every Day We Fight, that I can think of that does this. So it does sound exciting. Mm-hmm. And you can like flip between your characters very easily. Like you could you could move someone two steps, not use your ability points, flip over to the other person, use them a little bit, flip back. Like it was just a lot more like actively constantly involved um, than I that I feel that XCOM is. But I love XCOM too. But but yeah, it was it was a nice little spin. Every day we fight. Uh, yes. It is on Steam. Please wish list. There is no demo, um, but this one is uh, coming soon. So who knows when this one's coming in? They said uh, they wanted to have early access out by the end of the year, and they were Ooh, thinking release scoops. sometime mid twenty four. So they are scoops. intending to bake it scoops. a bit more because there was some stuff. I was like, you know, I can't really tell unless I move the camera around a lot. I can't tell where that doorway is. Like, there's no indicator that tells me there's a doorway there unless I, like, look for it a lot. Like, I was like, I have Mm. notes. Um, And they were very, (laughs) they're like, yeah, no, we need to fix that. We need to do this. Like, they're they're very self-aware of where the game is and that they would like to improve from where we're at. So, so, which makes me more excited that I'm like, oh, you, you know where you're at. It's, it's good. Uh, can I talk to you all about a wrestling video game? You know, yeah. I actually thought Every Day We Fight was going to be a wrestling video game, so like, <laughs> here we are, despite. Uh, there were two wrestling games on the on the show floor, uh, WrestleQuest and WrestleStory. Mm-hmm. Uh, WrestleQuest was a lot of people's like game of PAX West in 22. Uh, it features licensed wrestlers, and it is a like long-ass RPG. Uh, I played Wrestle Story, uh, which is made by TikTok Games. They uh, are doing Rift of the Necrodancer. They have a game coming out called Writer's Block that is almost like a combination of Slay the Spire with Boggle. And then they've got this game coming out, uh, which imagine it is Costume Quest, but it is based on wrestling instead of like Halloween. Interesting. Where it's an Good RPG pitch. that like seems smaller in scope, but it is basically like you have a character that you create yourself and then it is, it is like a, you know, an, uh, a paper Mario style battle system where you just like fight cronies and then fight bosses. You have special moves. You gather your posse of like multiple wrestlers that you can switch in between. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. And obviously like this is the first time they were showing it. They don't have any dates, nothing kind of on the, on the, pl- on the schedule because it is so new, but this I liked more because you could create your wrestler instead of with WrestleQuest where you are given Randy Santos who is like a Macho Man Randy Savage fan in the game. Sure, that game features licensed wrestlers, but it's it's long. I like shorter games. This seems shorter in scope and the battle system was a little bit more, like had a little bit more to it in my opinion. So uh, that one's Wrestle Story. There's not a demo. It is on Steam. Uh, please wishlist it because it looks cool as heck. I played both of the wrestle games on my last day, Sunday. I got them both in. Um, I will say, personally, I like WrestleQuest better. Um, Mm. The uh, Wrestle Story, 
is it wrestling story? Is it wrestle story? Wrestle story Thank and you. wrestle quest. Wonderful. Um, I was like, oh, I see. I like this. It's a good game. But of, as far as of the two, what I would pick up, I would pick up the more RPG style wrestle quest. I mm-hmm. like that the two wrestling games are very different in yeah. how they play. I'm yeah. like, oh, good. Because we have two similarly named wrestling games. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see how this like roll, how this unfolds when they come out. But they're t- totally different in how they play, um, which is good. Because I'm like, I don't want you two competing too much. You know, but it's more game for the wrestle fans. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, you guys are just... You're having the time of your lives. Wrestling <laughs> yeah. is like uh, peaking again and there's games coming out. Like it's a, I, mm. I imagine it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I mean, WrestleQuest features licensed wrestlers. So like Jeff Jarrett, Double J, is in the game. Uh, there's, I think, he didn't say how many, but there are numerous licensed wrestlers. And then there are homages to like classic tag teams or classic wrestlers where they either couldn't get the rights or they like just didn't go after the rights at all, um, and so it's it's really like nostalgia for wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. So and I Wrestle love Quest the, seems cool too. I love the Wrestle Story team. They were like super excited and involved with all everyone who mm-hmm. was playing the demo, and they're like, "What did you think? What what are your what are your good things? What are your bad things? Like tell us." Like they were they were super excited to be showing their game. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun. Mm-hmm. Again, that's Wrestle Story. Uh, Flora, your last game is Wild Mender. Yeah, Wildmender was a game that I didn't even know was it PAX or anything until Sunday, the final day, where I was kind of doing a final sweep or two of the show floor just to kind of like, did I play everything I wanted to? Did I did I look at every shop? Did I go through every little like magic card vendor? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, I, I stumbled upon this game and there were like two or three free computers just standing there and one of the devs pitched it to me real quick. Um, it was a like my eye snagged onto the screen because there's just a bunch of plants just kind of <laughs> hanging out. And I'm like, what, what's this? What do you do? And so I just start talking to this developer and um, they put me on a, um, I guess like the gimmick that was getting people to play this game is they were giving away the keyboard that they had hooked up um, to the computer. Like this specific model of keyboard was apparently like oh. a good keyboard or something. I hate using keyboard when playing a video game. So within like 30 seconds, I was like, I'm really sorry, but that person just let, set down the controller over there. I'm going over there. I know you literally <laughs> just explained all of the controls on keyboard to me, but you're going to have to explain them again because uh, my RSI in my hands is flaring up from just looking at the keyboard. So um, <laughs> anyway, I just like, again, I was meandering. I was I didn't have any agenda on the final day. And I just was like, ooh, plant game. And um, <laughs> I stood there for over an hour just wow. talking to the developers um, and just playing this game. And I was like, oh, what's this do? And like, oh, how do I do that? And you said, oh, like you can, you can, so like, I should first talk about what the game is before I go off on like all of those little questions. Uh, it's a survival game and it's like a wholesome oh. looking game um, where like survival game is not my thing usually. Whereas uh, you have stressful. my attention. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you, you play and I don't really know, like if you play from a single player perspective, what this looks like, but this was uh, four computers on one server playing this game multiplayer. Um, cool. And so you have like a hunger meter, you have like a poison thing, you have like health and uh, other like resources that you use. You basically terraform um, a 3D environment with plant seeds. You water these seeds, you grow them into plants, they eventually yield more seeds and you spread them and blah, blah, blah. And um, 
yeah, like you can like make these little like creeks and rivers with these stones that like yield water out of them. Um, there's crafting tables and things that you can do. Um, like there's like desert environments, jungle environments, like all these different diverse things. And there's enemies that like exist on the plains that you can like ward off and fight for resources. And there's just way too many systems to describe. And so I'm playing Q&A with this developer for a while. And like this developer's like, yeah, I've been standing for a few hours. I'm gonna go take a seat. If you have any questions, you can ask me or this other person. And then the other person would come over and talk to me. And I'm like, I feel bad just like occupying your booth. But um, there was always a free computer next to me. Like someone else could have just walked up to this game like I did. Um, so I wasn't like forming a line or anything. And I just kept playing, kept giving bug reports. Like like the crafting table didn't work when it was too close to this like spring for water. And I would just like ask about that system. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make a note to fix that after packs, like just a bunch of those. And, um, what I really loved about it, it was peaceful. It had a lot of interlocking systems. Um, you can like sort of customize the appearance on your character. You can design where the plants go. They're like real, I forget the rendering technique of it all, but like no two plants are the same. If I put Ooh. two seeds next to each other, they're going to grow differently based oh, on where no. I put them and how <laughs> you water them. That. And yeah, so, so it's really like an organic looking game as well. Um, just super colorful. And uh, I just got the best vibes off this thing. Um, not if you if you showed me the Steam page, I don't think I'd be convinced. But being able to walk up to a, a server where hundreds or maybe thousands of PAX attendees had all planted something of their own, and cool. like like I got to kind of like mess with that and contribute to it, like just that big collective server. Um, and I didn't have a time limit on it. It was there was no like, hey, the demo is over. It was just like play until you get bored and. So and I didn't get bored. I just was like, I'm hungry. So um, <laughs> it was a fantastic demo. I've installed it. Um, the thing I want to say is, uh, if you've ever played Don't Starve Together, it reminds yes. me of that. Mm. Um, so I used to play that with friends a ton, and I was really bad at it. But I had a friend who would always like tell me what to do, and so I loved that game. So like, all right, I'd ask my friend, all right, what do I do next? And she's like, oh, go over there and get these seeds, or oh, go get these beefalo, or whatever. And so it feels like a game that would be extremely conducive to collaboration, especially with that friend group that in survival games past, we already have played something like this. So um, if any of that sounds interesting, I think this game, like, it's super unpolished right now, but the demo's up. The demo's multiplayer, as far as I'm aware. So like, why not give it a shot if plants and 3D exploration sounds interesting? So That kind of sounds like fun. We should do it. Oh, as like a PAX thing? Oh like my gosh. All four of us? Love um, it. Listeners, if they don't agree, we have to bully them on Twitter. <laughs> Wild Mender. Wild Mender. Uh, demo on Steam now. Uh, we've got one more game to talk about before we go to our honorable mentions, and that's from you, Travis, and yeah. it's Demon School. Yeah. Um, I've been keeping an eye on Demon School for a long time now. Um, it's uh, Necrosoft Games. It's, it is... Once again, another tactics uh, kind of game, but it's Persona 5 meets Into the Breach, dare I say. Um, but <laughs> I know uh, the the aspects of it that I like the most is I'm very, very interested in the tactics portions of this game because kind of like I've mentioned on our Into the Breach episode that we did for Left Behind Game Club, um, I feel like that game has ruined a lot of tactics games for me and that I like having all of the pieces available to me and I do all of my moves at once and I know exactly how things are going to play out where sometimes I don't like the like I have to commit to this move that I'm doing right now and then I can't 
commit to doing something else. This game is much different in that you move all of your characters all at the exact same time and they uh you move them all at the exact same time and because of that then you say this is my turn and then all of the characters will move and attack all at once so there's no and you can keep reversing keep trying out different combos of things to see if you can clear the board um with your turn without having to like commit to actually moving the attack forward so i could see myself losing hours into like trying to maximize every single turn in combination and that's what i did with into the breach a lot um and so that's the part of this game that really really draws me in um i have not played persona 5 but the idea of persona 5 intrigues me immensely and so this has a lot of that where it's school kids that are demon fighters and you've got this invading demon uh horde coming in and it's kind of it plays a little bit of uh you know uh, like relationships and you have to go to class and you have a day system. Oh man, system. this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's it, why you like it so much. That's the thing. It's also Buffy too. Like it's kind of got some Buffy vibes. Where is the, there a like, Giles? <laughs> I don't know if there's a Giles, but the, definitely uh. the main character is like the last demon slayer in a long line of demon oh my slayers. God. Kind oh my of God. like She's the main focus. And then there's like the nerdy friend. And like, so there's... Uh, and I guess you can get a lot more friends too, like uh, or like a lot more playable characters. The the demo only had four, um, and like y- even with the demo, it was like you can either do the story demo or like a boss fight demo. And I think I maybe did myself a disservice because I did the story demo because I thought I would get through more battles, but I found myself wanting to just get to more battles and quickly k- clicking through like all the story dialogue that I was like, I don't really care about the story right now because I'm not actually playing this game. So uh, I would have maybe preferred more experience with figuring out if I like the battle system, which from what I did touch, I liked it a lot. Um, it's supposed to come out later this year. Uh, I'm excited for it. I hope it does need a little bit of polish. Like I did find like areas where I would try to talk to an NPC in uh, an area and I couldn't click on them to speak to them. Like it was that happened multiple times where I had to go in and out of an area in order to like reload it to get the, the, like the dialogue prompts to start happening. Um, but obviously like the game's a work in progress, but I enjoyed my, my 20 minute demo with it. I'm excited to see more and like what's going to come out, um, going forward with it, but it's yeah, definitely on my radar. So if you want more information about demon school, we did a quick interview with Brandon Sheffield, who is, I think, leading the game in our PAX West mega show. So check that out if you want more details. But the bosses are graphically different yes. than the rest and it's it's kind of like badass the way yeah. I w- it was described is like Sega Saturn style graphics when the rest is like very cartoony so it, it's kind of a like it it's screws 2D. with your mind a yeah. little bit so the real world is 2D but because the demons are from another dimension they're all rendered in 3D so whenever oh. you have a fight the 3D aspect kind of comes out and you have 3D models that do a lot of interacting but then you have and so when the worlds start blending, you get a weird blend of 2D, 3D happening. But then when you're just doing school day stuff, it's just like kind of a 2D isometric kind of thing. Have any of you ever uh, watched Gurren Lagann? No. 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 Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I can't. My follow up question suddenly dissolves if we haven't seen it. It's just a, <laughs> uh, I don't know, a very 
I, I guess it's not popular, but just well-made anime. But anyway, it okay. was the 2D, 3D thing. But if, if we haven't seen oh, it. Oh, interesting. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's interesting. I'm just trying to visualize this thing. I looked at some pictures and I'm like, I was really put off by the isometric perspective of the game, which I assume is what you mean by the 3D thing. Yeah. But it sounds like you might also be saying that there's like some other thing than the isometric sort of like pixely look. Yeah, like the, like the regular like classroom, you're still kind of the same like camera view and everything but you're just kind of moving around. it's just very much like moving around a space and walking around and talking to different characters but then okay. once you get to the grid and it's 3d battles with it's still like pixel art but it's it, they bleed that 3d in um and it, it's just interesting looking i typically i don't gravitate towards these type of games like it's not it's much more like weird demony like things I, i'm typically like oh yeah let's go the sci-fi route but this i was like oh the gameplay, I think, is is the hook that's going to get me, and I'm gonna hmm. I'm gonna enjoy my time with it. So, um, I included a little screenshot in our Discord if y'all want to see what it looks like. I know Flora, you, it's like a monster who's trying to eat the kids. I mean, it, terrifying and consuming children does sound like an appealing <laughs> game pl- premise. So, uh, count me uh, in. Uh, that was Demon School. Uh, that's from Necrosoft, being published by Eastbird Games. Uh, coming out in 23, so wishlisted if you like. Okay, those are our 12 kind of picks from the show. Uh, we've got some honorable mentions that we'd love to run through really quickly. Um, I had a chance to play an arcade hockey game because I guess there were multiple hockey games that you could play on the floor, but this one's called Goons, Legends, and Mayhem. Goons, Legends, and Mayhem is being made by Rage Cure Games, published by Firestoke. Um, I ended up having a chance to speak to uh, Samuel Bouchard, who is the art director uh, and co-founder at Rage Cure, about the game. Uh, so let me just queue up that interview now. Lovely. So I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. Yeah. We love hockey. Uh, tell me about your game. So Goons and Mayhem is an arcade hockey game based on the graphics of uh, Overcooked with a more arcadey kind of style party game for the whole family. And it's really, we, you have the multiplayer fully online. We have uh, the story mode also with a campaign. And yeah. And so it looks a lot like the old school hockey games that we loved. NHL 94, uh, EA Sports 3 versus 3. Uh, tell us kind of some of your your inspirations for why you decided to make a game like this. So first of all, we saw that NHL was really popular, we, but that's what the only option for everyone to play hockey on console. So that's we, we found that pretty lame. So we wanted a game that bring hockey on console, but also uh, can be for the whole family because we got destroyed online at NHL and we wanted something we can play with our kids, we can play with our friends, with a beer in our hands. And yeah, that, that's pretty much the, the whole idea. <laughs> So what should someone expect when they're playing, like, you know, four players on a couch, uh, you know, the multiplayer hockey mode? Yeah, multiplayer, you can, t- you can play up to six on a couch. So 3v3, 2v2, you can do 1v1. We have bots, we have uh, AI in the game. So you have multiple maps. You're going to be eight characters uh, at launch with six maps. Uh, we have uh, full rank, also half rank. So uh, with a goalie that's pretty much a boss that you got to defeat to score goals. And yeah, that's the multiplayer. Uh, single player component as well, right? Yep, we got a fully campaign for about uh, of about uh, four or six hours. Uh, that's gonna take you on the world of Zambonia, <laughs> a world uh, that everybody craves hockey and love hockey, and uh, that a cataclysm has hit the place. And uh, you gotta find out with the allies along the way what is, what is going on. Uh, what consoles is it gonna be on? And uh, when are you guys expecting to put this one out? 
Uh, we're gonna go out on pretty much every console, so Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, uh, every generation, and PC on Steam. Uh, you can wish list now, uh, and the release date has not been announced yet. We know it's 2023. It's coming soon. We're gonna announce the date very soon. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you too. One quick story that he told that I didn't end up getting on tape was around they were bringing this game to like Quebec City because they're from Quebec City um, to like peewee hockey tournaments on like an arcade setup for kids to play. Oh, that's And he was just talking about how like, you know, it's a game for the whole family. I I think he mentions that in the interview, but um, that kids were playing it with their parents at a peewee hockey tournament and like everyone seemed to be having fun. I played it and like it did have that old school couch co-op like NHL hits 2003 kind of vibe to it or EA, EA Sports NHL. So like if that's your vibe, it's coming to console and PC in 23. Um, add it to your wish list. Uh, we all played Pacific Drive, uh, mm-hmm. which is a highly anticipated PlayStation and PC game coming later this year. Katie, it might have made you sick, but like, oh what gosh. are y'all's impressions of that one? So so sick. Um, um, and that's a game where I'm like, oh, they. I don't think they can fix that just because of the way the game is. Because you are walking around first person and you have a car which is you know your main little uh not quite a companion but almost um your ever-present little companion is your car that you can modify and all this so but you're walking around first person then you hop in the car and then you can look around independent of where you're driving and then their map is sitting in the passenger side so you have to turn your head to look at the map and turn back and the car is moving around and like bouncing and the camera's all over the place and I was like oh no and I battled through to the end of that demo and I probably should have bailed out about halfway in and because I it, <laughs> it messed me up for a good hour afterwards but I think the game is interesting, but I think yeah. it, I, for me, it was almost too nitty gritty with the details of like, pick this thing up, put that thing there. Uh, you have to, I I like the shifter that you have to, you have to shift it. You have to put your car in park or it's going to roll away from you. I yeah. kind of like that. And then a part of me was like, the, there are things that are too much. Um, I had mixed feelings about it that maybe because it made me sick and it gives me a just negative overall emotional impression of the game. Um, but I like the idea of it and there's just crazy stuff going on. Like the environment's changing. Um, how did you all feel? Yeah. Like I, that, that's the thing that drew me in was the crazy environment and the things that you get to see and the stuff that is going on is just completely out of this world you have a very like the environment is just like this foresty kind of area with a a road and you're just kind of driving but the strangest stuff just like pops up like here's just waves of electricity or here's like a giant pillar of fire or i stumbled upon like a whole little like area with a bunch of crash test dummies just kind of in a black that's tar so zone i love it's so weird, weird. Stuff i like love that. weird that's the thing it's the weirdness that drew me in i will say i didn't like to your point with the uh camera moving while you're driving i i had a hard time managing that i'm sure if i had more time with the game i would get used to it but it's really disorienting to move your car and move you, your point of view at the same time because i felt like i was just never driving it i think the driving felt sluggish yes, like i felt didn't. like i was moving so slow like i was like do i have a parking brake on that i didn't take off that like is this why my car doesn't feel like it's moving but maybe that's just part of the feel of the car and i think mm-hmm. that threw me off a little bit so like the driving aspect was weird to me which is funny because it's a game that's mostly in your car <laughs> yeah. so i it, i appreciate the environments and i'm excited to see what the overall 
like gameplay is. It might be a game that I end up just watching someone play rather than playing myself because I I enjoy the weirdness and I want to see like what was that and one final thing I will say is I do very much love the rearview mirror is I find most of the Wild. times in driving games, you don't get that really good rear view mirror. This yeah. rear view mirror is like rendering behind you. Like you see what's behind you. So like I can imagine a crazy moment of something coming up behind you. And you're, mm-hmm. it, unless you're looking in that, re- you look in that rear view and it's coming and you, like that, that I really, really appreciate. All three that. of your mirrors too. Like your, yeah. your center mm-hmm. mirror and your side mirrors. Yeah. I'd love, I'm really excited to, to see what happens with that. Yeah, the the mirror thing was something that I recognized standing in line just watching someone else ahead of me play the game. And I don't know why that's such a difficult thing for games to do necessarily, but I know that it must be very difficult. And uh, to see that level of technical expertise happen and what otherwise feels and is sort of billed as like more of an indie narrative is... um, I, I think that that's really cool. And um, I speaking to like the sluggishness of the driving, when I was watching it in line, I actually I was watching some kid play it. And I thought that the car drove itself based on the way the footage just looked as it was being played. I, I was convinced before I sat down and played it that you didn't drive the car. You just got in and, and then like you rails? would get out when it's time to do the next objective. Yeah, I thought it was on rails. Oh, um, interesting. <clears throat> so it was really pleasing to know that the demo... Uh, wasn't remotely like that um you could kind of go wherever you wanted although again like the point on the driving um there were so many things uh, i know i already said this to you all but for the sake of the listeners like you would go to drive uphill and then your car just wouldn't be able to do it yeah. and it was a very it, achievable looking hill yeah of like, like that like is a not modest, a steep incline and no yeah. you can't go up like a kid with a scooter could make it up this hill and this car is like fully accelerating going in reverse um and then there's like the the funny things that y'all mentioned like this game is like a a shift sort of game you have to like put your car in park i was too stupid to think about that after the first time the game makes you put it out of park i just forgot that there was a shift there and so i i would park my car and it would start to roll downhill and i'd be like oh no oh i gotta park it sideways and like so it doesn't roll off on me and i was just so bothered i thought the game was was like broken or something uh no it was just my brain that was broken but um final thought on this is like the environmental stuff that y'all mentioned like uh there were some things like i would drive by and there would just be like rocks floating out of a road up into the sky and i was like hello death stranding it's been a while and um i didn't get the the crash test dummies in the tar thing but if i saw that that would have hit the same dial um i i thought that the things that were intriguing about this game were um the things that i didn't quite get and the things that i felt like i got by the end of the demo i was like i don't really need any more of this so mm-hmm. uh I completely mixed feelings walking away from this demo and um i think that was the first game i touched at pax and so uh it was no negativity or anything but i i didn't wish this and probably won't pick it up right away uh even though it didn't leave any negative impressions just probably not my thing uh that is pacific drive it's coming to playstation and pc uh two more games we want to talk about really quickly um flora and i both played bread and fred uh which is an apogee published title uh it is like celeste but it has a co-op mode we played it together uh flora you wrote about it on epilogue gaming uh I saw this come through an email for a demo and I was like, Flora and I need to do this. <laughs> you enjoyed it. 
I did enjoy it. Um, I didn't really uh, watch any footage once again. I just knew you were playing it, so I signed up too. Um, yay, it's co-op, and so we got to like sit at the same computer, same screen, two controllers, and just go at it. Um, the premise of the game is really absurd. It's like um, the <laughs> developer we spoke with said, it, like I forget the other comparison point, but getting over it with Ben Affati was thrown out, and mm-hmm. I immediately felt the vibes of that right away, where like failure is punished, and like this game is funny because of failure. And mm-hmm. so you're two penguins that are like roped together on like a tether of some sort and you have to coordinate your movements as you like ascend this precarious mountain path um you mentioned celeste vibes they're definitely there somewhere between getting over it and celeste it just comes together and um i was laughing most of the time while we played it like anytime something went wrong it was pleasurable Mm -hmm. anytime we made progress i felt genuinely like we had learned something about the mechanics Mm -hmm. in the game and um i know that our demo was comparatively short um to what the final game will be but i think like the final game is also going to be pretty modest in length um And so I think that this game will be a great, like, streaming game with a friend. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they're going to do, because you know how Steam has, like, you can do uh, remote co-op together, where, like, Mm -hmm. like Cuphead, you can get both of you to play. It has remote play together. Remote, all right, thank you. Yeah, that's the term. Um, I... In my experience, that's a really unreliable way to play a game, but I bet that that might work pretty well for a game like this, uh, where the timing is literally predictable. You can hit a button and it'll count down three, two, one with a little sound, and then visually you'll see that three, two, one countdown. So, like even remotely with lag, I feel like you this this will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was fun. Um, it wasn't a showstopper for me, but I I enjoyed it. And Jacob, what did you think? Yeah, again, this one's coming from Sandcastle Studio. It's it's their first game, Sandcastle Studio, and I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not good at games, and they said it was a foddy game, mm-hmm. I think is exactly the term they used. Uh, and look, Flora, you now know I'm not great at video games. Uh, there were many times where I was supposed to do a simple thing, and I could not do the simple thing. <laughs> uh, and like you said, it's modest in that like the whole game is climb this peak. Which mm-hmm. we don't know how how big it is, but it's like imagine that it's pretty finite to say like yeah here's they told the us final the yeah yeah it w- was it five hundred meters it was like two fifty or something like that like the current build we were doing uh, let's say fifty meters the final one would be like two fifty it was like yeah we were playing a slice of this game but it's going to be a little bit more involved than what we got. And if you're worried about, like, I don't have a friend to play it with, there's a single-player mode as mm-hmm. well where you play as Jeff, and Jeff is a penguin that has a rock as a friend. With a face on the li- rock. With a face on the rock. Very Gotta important question. Up. As a fan of Ed, Ed, and Eddie back in the day, we need to say that inanimate objects sometimes have faces. Uh, and you throw the rock, and that rock acts as, let's say, your other partner, but it acts a little bit differently. So, again, that's Bread and Fred, uh, TBD on, on release date. And then finally, uh, Rightfully Bury Arms is a demo that you did, Katie. So I'd love to hear more. Uh, Yeah, an appointment with Daylight Basement Studios. It is their first game. It is a two-person team. Chris and Mike, the end. They're making this game. (laughs) Um, It is a like bullet hell roguelike reminding me of uh, Enter the Gungeon. But um, same, needs some baking. A little bit. Also, I was able to give feedback that all it also made me nauseous. Not as bad oh, as no. Pacific Drive, but I was like, hey, heads up, your camera is a little frenetic. And they asked me what I meant by that. And I went, how it's jerking everywhere all at all times. And I can play what I played, but not any longer. Um, and they took that and they said, well, we will, you know, we can do things. I'm like, yes, you can. Because they can, uh, they could definitely fix it with this. But um, 
it is yeah it's a bullet hell roguelike you pick up different guns um the plot the story and mechanics are a little confusing you're in space there's a thing with fuel there's a thing with a jammer of the boss sensing you and once the time is done you'll have a boss fight very confusing but once I got into the actual game of just like looting new guns and shooting things I enjoyed my time so it's another one I will keep an eye on um I'm I'm not sure yet but they said that they're they basically have no um, time frame for release. They're like, no, we are doing community uh, feedback. We want to hear everything we can. We want to work on this thing for a while until it is what we want it to be. So, yeah, I'm going to kind of probably wish list it and keep an eye on it and see how it goes. But um, it, was, it was a fun little, you know, goofy, um, not too serious game. Nice. You're a little bear and- shooting alien things like <laughs> that, you know, like a spacesuit. It's It's just fun. And this one will be in early access, but it's not in early access yet, Correct. right? Okay. So let's just quickly recap all the games we talked about. I talked about The Mage Seeker, A League of Legends Story, Wrestle Story, and Night in the Attic. Flora? I talked about uh, Gory Cuddly Carnage. I talked about Strayed Lights and Wild Mentor. Travis? I talked about Terra Nil, Capes, and Demon School. Katie? And I had Backpack Hero, Slay the Princess, and Every Day We Fight. And then we mentioned uh, Goons, Legends, and Mayhem, Pacific Drive, Bread and Fred, and uh, rightfully Barry Arms at the end. So again, all of these games, I believe, are on PC. We're going to link the wish lists in the show notes. So if anything sounded cool, please give them a, a wish list because it actually makes a difference. And that is our PAX East mega show. Uh, damn, two hours. We did it. Uh, <laughs> if y'all could just plug where you're at, we can bring this into the station. Let's start with Flora. Um, you can find me on the internet at epiloggaming.com. Uh, in addition to writing my own individual breakdown of packs, um, I, I've got other articles coming down the pipeline. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM, as well as the Discord, uh, the Left Behind Game Club Discord, where the Yakuza Friday Night GIFs are still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, plug yourself. Oh, God. Uh, I am on Twitter. I am at Lesbrak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. That's where I do my talking, my internet talking. <laughs> Travis. Yeehaw. Uh, you can find me at Travis Colnett on Twitter. If you're looking for long-form content, I will continue posting pictures of the Terranel seed pack as it grows. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Long form. Make a thread. Really, really I love far it. in the future. Yep. I'm like, Travis is about to say more words. What? Yeah, yeah I was like, Travis is writing articles now? What? When did this yeah, happen? That's... <laughs> I, I adopted him on board. So anytime you're ready to write an article, come on to Epilogue. I got you. Pull some uh, and then you can find me at Jacob McCourt on all major social platforms. J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Um, you can find my written work at The Gaming Brief. I'm going to do one or two articles about PAX, but we'll see how long that takes. Uh, in the resources, you'll find the panels that we did as well. Uh, if you like this show, do us a couple favors. One, send it to a friend because that's how people hear about good podcasts. Uh, and then give us a review on uh, your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we have not gotten any reviews on our uh, on Apple in a while. So if you've been listening to the show for a while and you've not done it, I'm compelling you. I am compelling you to give us a review because it actually uh, makes a difference. And then on our uh, Spotify, I think we've got like 40 or 50 reviews as well, but we'd love some more five-star reviews there if, if you'd be so kind. 
You can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, as well as on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. And that's it. Mike Ruffalo's not here, so I guess I'll say shout out Mike Ruffalo. And that, my friends, is one less convention left behind. <laughs>